Hey everybody, it's Pastor Rebecca, and I'm so excited to be coming back to you with another podcast today. So in case you guys don't know, um, last week was a big week for me, really last Sunday. So I resigned my position as children's pastor at Rejuvenate Church that I was at, and uh, the Lord has just been calling me to different places and different things in ministry. And so um, I am no longer at that church, and so me and my fiance, we uh, actually... Um, you know, have we ended up visiting the Living Room Church in uh, in Simpsonville, which, you know, we've been visiting there um, the last two weeks, so that's been really cool, but big transition in my life, big change, so I wanted to let you guys know that, and uh, it's been hard, you know, missing the kids uh, a lot, you know, um, the Sunday was, was hard emotionally for me, you know, because I've um, been with those kids for a long time, so that was hard, but... Um, but I'm, I'm happy to be moving to new levels and to be doing new things and just allowing God to do a new thing in a new season. So um, I'm glad to be talking to you guys again today. Thank you for following and listening. Please share this. I want you guys to grow with me, help uh, and be encouraged and empowered. And let's learn more about the Lord and grow closer to Him. So today I want to talk about something that's probably a hard topic for people. I want to talk about trust. And trust is always a sensitive topic for people. Um, you know, just because if you've, if you've ever, you know, had your trust broken before or you've ever experienced just conflict with people, um, it's tough. It's tough to get that back. You know, people experience um, at, in, at some point in their life, in their lives, in your life, you will experience your trust being broken by someone, whether it be a friend. Um, some people experience on a deeper level and it's heartbreaking, you know, when it's a spouse, things of that nature. And, um, and it's a hard place. And I wanted to start with uh, Psalm 146, and I wanted to read a little bit from from that place, and then I'll tell you what we're gonna, how we're gonna talk about trust today. So in Psalm 146, it starts off with you know praising the Lord, praise the Lord of my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have being. And then it seems like he kind of switches gears a little bit in verse three, and it says, "Put not your trust in princes." In a son of man, in whom there is no salvation, when breath departs, he returns to the earth, and on that very day, his plans perish. And then it switches back in verse five to talk about blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made the heaven and earth, the sea, and all that's in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. It goes on and on and talks about the Lord and the benefits of if your hope and your trust is in the Lord. You know, this is this is what happens, and this is what life is like. So. It's a really, really cool psalm, and, and that the verse about putting not your trust in princes, that is one of my favorite verses. So, you know, I believe that the reason that God talks about this and says, you know, don't put your trust in man. Back in the Old Testament, when, uh, you know, Samuel, he was the, the prophet for Israel, and Israel wanted a king. They said they wanted a, a, a human king, an earthly king, someone that they could follow. And Samuel was so frustrated because he's like, I don't understand why you just can't follow God, why you just can't follow God. And the reason that God didn't want to give them an earthly king is because, first of all, God wants to be the one in your life. We were created to have an intimate relationship with him, that our entire life is built on an intimate and close relationship with him. So when that's not present, your life is confusing, it's out of order, and we all have a desire to have that intimate relationship with our creator. 
Unfortunately, instead of pursuing that, a lot of times we'll pursue other things. So there are lots of people that have intimate relationships. Um, they take their relationship with God and instead want to put that, uh, put a pastor there or want to put a spouse there or even objects like phones or pets or things like that. Sounds silly, but it's just true. You know, it's we have this desire for intimacy within us, but instead of going to God whom it's that's what that's built for we try to go to other things and i believe that's the reason why god one of the reasons why he didn't want us to have an earthly king you know god said back in exodus he's like you should have no other gods before me because i'm a jealous god because the whole reason that god created us was not just to expand his kingdom that's one of the reasons but first and foremost it's because he he loves us he wants he created something they could have an intimate close relationship with you know I mean, it, it, you see that when it says that God walked in with Adam in the garden in the cool of the day. God is an intimate God. He's not far away. He's not removed. He's intimate. That's a huge, I mean, that's who he is, you know? And so he sets it up right off the bat, you know, don't have any other gods before me. Because God knows that because of sin, that whenever there is something else in our life that's present, we will tend to run to other things rather than to him uh, when we're out of order. And so he knew that when Israel asked for an earthly king, that they were going to put all of their trust in this earthly king. Uh, but you know what he said? When Samuel got frustrated with Israel, God said to Samuel, we've talked about this many times in different, po in different podcast episodes. God said, look, Samuel, let it go. He's like, because they haven't rejected you. They haven't rejected your voice. They've rejected me. And if they want an earthly king, they got it. So then you look throughout the Bible of examples of, of earthly kings, and you do see that, you know, um, you see Saul. Okay, let's talk about just Saul for a second. You see Saul and that Saul was chosen, but Saul failed. He failed miserably, and he, he uh, had a spirit of rebellion, and it cost him the throne, you know. And then you see David. But even in David, a man after God's own heart, you see that, that even he's not a perfect king. He falls, you know. And, uh, and, and you see this repeat of, of, of a lot of bad kings, some good kings. You know, even Solomon, the wisest king, um, even he messed up because he married women that, that went after foreign gods and, and, and got, was dragged into that. And, I mean, you, you still see that even though these people have a king, on earth, it's not the king of kings. It's not, it's not Jesus. It's not God almighty. You know, they're still putting their trust in a, in a earthly king that can't be everything for them, you know? And God knows that as humans who are, um, have human, that humans in a broken world, that we, um, we're going to try to seek and pursue a relationship with things other than him. And he knows You'll never be fulfilled that way. He knows that uh, your purpose will never be fulfilled that way. And so that's why he gives this warning. He's like, don't put your trust in princes. He's like, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be easy to do that. But here's the thing. People are fickle, okay? People will flip on you in a minute. There are people in your life, and I, everyone can testify to this. I, I believe that everyone at some point in their life, excuse me, can testify to this. That you can know people or think that you know people or think that you trust people, and in a minute, Something flips and, and, and it, things just don't turn out the way you thought they were and people aren't who you thought they were. And it's just like, what has happened, you know? And, uh, and it doesn't take much. I mean, it, it, it takes a moment, you know? And again, we see that in many different levels. You know, you may see a, 
a, a man or a woman that's married to their spouse for years and think that their relationship is strong. And then the next thing you know, they find out that their spouse has been cheating on them and how, how much devastation that brings, you know, to their relationship and to their level of trust and, and, and what, you know, and it just flips everything upside down, you know? And God says, Repeatedly, he's like, trust in me. In Proverbs, he says, trust in me with all of your heart, okay? So then some people can say, well, well, then how do we operate with people? How do we operate with people if we can't? Because then you want to go into extremes and you want to say, oh, well, so that means that we trust God and we have zero trust for people. Um, that means that we just, we don't trust people at all. Well, you, you have a problem with that back in Genesis because God says it's not good for man to be alone. So you can't go to the extreme and say, well, we can't trust people at all. You know, um, I think the way that it happens is, you know, God says, you know, trust in the Lord with all your heart. So when you go to the Lord and you trust in him and you give everything to him, um, then that's when you can trust people. That's, you can trust people there because you know that, that even though, you know, you're interacting with people, you're building relationships with people, but you know in yourself, if for some reason this were to go south, or you know if this doesn't last, because God is a seasonal God, not all relationships last for our entire lives, you know, your foundation of trust is still in the Lord. So that even if those people, you know, were to turn on you tomorrow, or even if that situation were to turn over on its head tomorrow, you're deeply rooted in the trust of the Lord to say it's okay. It's not going to destroy me. It's not going to kill me because that's not what I'm rooted in. When you root yourself in people and in leaders and, and, and things like that and, and um, in something other than God, when you root yourself, then when that falls apart or if that falls apart, then it's you're distraught. It's like your whole world is turned upside down and you don't know what to do. This actually happened to me. This was a very good lesson that God taught me a long time ago. I'm really, really glad. I'm 34 years old, and I've just gotten engaged this year. And I'm really thankful to God for that because I did not understand. I, for a long time, I didn't have an intimate relationship with God, and I tried to look for that in um, in another person. And so, you know, I remember I used to have a crush on, on, on this person as I was ending high school, going into college. I mean, it, I had a just, it was not healthy at all. It was, uh, you know, one of those things where you're just obsessed with them, you know, and, um, and whenever that person left my life or moved out of my life, my whole world fell apart. Like I went into a depression. I didn't even want to go to like some of my classes in college. I almost failed one of my classes because I, I missed too many and I had to go in and talk to my professor. And that's when God told me in that moment of my life, He's like, don't you ever build your life around anyone but me. Don't you ever put all of your hope and trust and faith in a man. Don't ever do that. You know, because it will, that's what's going to happen. You know, and I, so I got to experience emotionally firsthand what happens, you know, when you build your life around something that's not God. God is the only one that lasts. He's the only thing that lasts. And so when you try to put your hope in anything else, you know, I think this is where a lot of people, struggle when it comes to pastors, okay? I believe that the church has a really bad habit, like Israel did, of, you know, the pastor is the king um, over that ministry. Jesus is the king of kings. I'm not saying that he's God, but I'm saying he's in a place of authority, and people tend to put a lot of their faith and trust in, in him, forgetting that he is still a man 
forgetting that he is still flawed. Because I don't care what leader is out there. I don't care how many books they sell, what they record, how much money they have or don't have. I don't care. Every leader is flawed. Every leader has flaws. You can look at every leader in the Bible and see a flaw. At least one. Okay? You know? And so no leader in the Bible was perfect except for Jesus. And so when you put uh, someone like a pastor or like a boss or someone and you make them your God and put all your trust in them, what's going to happen when when they fall? You know, not if they fall, when they fall, when they make a mistake. Then all of a sudden people are so distraught and taken aback and they're just like, well, how dare them? And they want to yell crucify him or her or whatever. Um when God's looking at you saying, why did you make them your trust to begin with? Why are they your foundation? You know, I believe a lot of times, and one thing I've seen in ministry that I have told people before is, you know, congregations are really bad. Church people are really bad about uh, putting their pastor on a pedestal. But then if he falls, they don't have mercy for him or her, you know, um, but yet they want to ask for mercy. You know, they want to ask for mercy, but they don't want to give mercy. And here's the thing. You have to understand when you are under someone's leadership, I don't care who they are, you know, you have to understand that they're still learning as well. And, you know, you have to give them grace just like they give you grace. You know, they give you grace because they understand that you're learning, you're progressing, that you're not, you haven't arrived yet. But you also need to understand that neither have they. So no matter how great a leader is or how great a boss is or whoever it is, you know, you have to understand that they're going to fall. They're going to make mistakes. There's going to be times where they're going to make great decisions. Then there are going to be times where their decisions are not going to be so great. And so for you to demand mercy but fail to give it is a very hypocritical thing. Um, and I think that that's one aspect, too, of people wanting to put their trust um, in a man and in everything, everything in a man, you know. But God tells you here, he tells you in Psalm 146, okay, he lays it out and he's like, you know, um, this is, you know, God's the one who executes justice for the oppressed. You know, he sets the prisoners free. He opens the eyes of the blind. He lifts those who are bowed down. You know, he loves the righteous. He watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless. Um, I mean, it, it goes over and over again of this is why, you know, this is, these things come from God. They don't come from man. They come from God, you know. So again, you know, some people are like, well, and I used to be like this. I'm like, well, I'm just not going to trust people, period. But again, you go back to Genesis. It's not good for man to be alone. God has called us to work together in unity in the spirit on the earth to bring about his kingdom and his purposes. He's called us to do that. The thing is, the balance that you have to find is understand that I'm going to love my neighbor. I'm going to work together with my neighbor, but they are not my God. They are not. They are not my God. And you see today um, so many examples of people uh, seeking a relationship with other things. A lot of times you have people that make sex an idol in their life and think all of my fulfillment is going to come through this. Now, sex um, is a beautiful thing. It's an incredible thing that God created inside the bounds of marriage for protection, um, you know, uh, for, for, you know, protection for them, for the child, you know, that, um, that that's what that's created for. Uh, but you see some people that, I know people personally that have had sex just, they went through periods of their life where they were extremely promiscuous and it was sex with one person after another after another. And you know what? It didn't bring fulfillment. It didn't fulfill. Okay. You even have people that do, that, that it's money. You look at people in Hollywood. I use this example all the time. I used to have a friend that used to be so mad because 
they didn't have you know as much money as they wish they did and they would be very angry at people in Hollywood and they're like well I don't understand why they're so happy and they have money and they this and but I told her I was like listen you know just because somebody has a lot of money doesn't mean that they're happy or fulfilled because you see people in Hollywood all the time if they're not murdered, you know, you see people in Hollywood all the time that will have everything. They have access to every material thing. They can get all of the money they want, all of the drugs they want. They can get any house, any car, any person that they want. They can get everything in the world, but yet you see some of them that commit suicide, blow their heads off. Why? Because they're created for an intimate relationship with God, the creator. That is what they're built for, and they're living life without that. They've got everything but that. That's a great example of how life just doesn't work without an intimate relationship with God. It doesn't work when your trust and your security and your identity is found in other things. It just doesn't work. It does not work, you know? Um, and so that's a that's a great example, you know? Um, but God, the great thing about God is God is, his name is Yahweh Suri, which means God is a rock. It means God my rock, you know? And um, God is a rock. God is stability, you know? Um, God talks about building our house on, you know, the, the rock, on the rock versus building your house in the sand and how the wise builder built their house on the rock, but the foolish builder built their house in the sand and God's, and, and whenever the storm came, of course, the one who built their house in the sand, their house was destroyed and washed away. And God's asking you that question. What are you building your life on? Who are you building your life on? Who are you building your life on? You know, you really can't survive, you know, in life. When God is only Sunday and Wednesday, you can't. That's not a relationship. That's what people don't understand. And what that's what I've had to learn. I don't say that from a place of arrogance. I, I told my fiance, and this is, I mean, this is, it's hard for me to say this. It's, it's a very humbling thing for me to say. But I really don't think I truly understood what an intimate relationship and freeing relationship with God was until quarantine. I'm 34. I've been in church my whole life, you know, and, and I told him I was like, because it really forced me. Quarantine was a precious time that forced me to be alone with God. It forced me to be alone with him. And that, and he's all I really had to talk to, you know, I mean, I would walk outside every day and have walks with him and talk to him because, you know, we couldn't go into work, couldn't do anything, you know, so I would walk and talk to him. I would go in my room and just and, and, and spend time with him. And it was just me and him for a long time together. And it was beautiful. And I realized that God really does complete and fulfill you, you know. Um, it was time where, I mean, I had to learn with intimacy with God not to try so hard to relax before him, enjoy him. He doesn't have to speak to me. You know, God can just sit beside me and, and be silent and yet just being with him. And I learned that, you know, and I told my fiance that the other day, you know, um, my fiance and I have uh, conversations about alone time. He's not a big fan of alone time. You know, he loves, he's a people person, which I am too. Um, but he loves to spend time with me and be around me. And I love to be around him too. But there are times where I have to tell him, I'm like, you know, alone time is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. You know, it's not punishment. Um, alone time is precious. And it's, it's time where I can really be with God and, and, and hear God's mind and hear God's heart and, and, and just be with him and build that intimacy because that's what I've been created for. That's what we're created for. That's the well. That's the well that doesn't run dry. You know, 
I mean, when everything else, it says that that the earth and its desires will pass away. So all these things, the nice cars, the big houses, all of that is going to be gone. You know, at the end of the age, the only thing that's going to stand is the word of God. The only one that's going to be left is God. Now, our spirits are eternal, and we will either be eternally with him or eternally separated from him. But all of these things, these idols that people make in their lives, they're going to be, they're going to be gone. They're gone, you know, and what are you going to have when that's gone? Okay, all of the money that you strive for, that you're just like, I've got to have more money, more money, more things, more things. You know, there's an emptiness there that you can't deny. And what are you going to do when all of that's gone? You know, they say you can't take it with you. You really can't. So what are, what do you do? You know, and I think I've said this before, but I emphasize this. I think one of the arrogances that comes from Satan that man can, can, can allow access to just an arrogant spirit. I think we really dumb God down. We really think that we can fool him, that people can think that, oh, I can live in sin, but then I, you know, raise my hands, excuse me, on Sunday or Wednesday and it's all good and I'm not going to worry about it. Because people, like, think that they can fool God, that they can trick God. God sees all and knows all. He knows everything. He knows the places that you don't show anybody, the dark places of your heart, the thoughts. He knows everything. So for people on earth to think that they're going to stand before God and that God's going to be this old man in a rocking chair, that you're just going to, you're going to skate on by because, you know, that you fooled him. That's not how it works. You know, we really don't give God credit for being the incredible supernatural being that he is. And I have to remind myself of that. You know, if there are ever times in my life where I, I you know, I, I mean, I, I want to not be repentant. You know, I have to remind myself the importance of repentance, of turning back to him. You know, I still think about the verse, seek the Lord while he may be found. That's to me, that has always been a very scary verse. Seek the Lord while he may be found, because that indicates that there's going to be a time where he can't be found. And I'm like, or, you know, and, and that's why that always rings in, in my spirit, you know. Um, and God even dropped a verse in my spirit. I'm kind of going off on a tangent the other day. He dropped a verse through my Bible app that came up several times repeatedly. It says, the son of man comes at an hour that you don't know. So be ready, you know. And I mean, I think. People play dangerous games with God. They think that, you know, I mean, even my, me and my um, ne- uh, uh, nephew, my fiance were talking about today, you know, there's so much false theology going around in churches today where it's like, oh, I prayed a prayer, which it doesn't say in the Bible that you have to pray a prayer to be saved. It says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. So these people that are like, you didn't pray the prayer. When did you pray the prayer? Well, you need to, you need to go back to your Bible and find where it says that, where the prayer, you know, salvation is in the Bible. Um, you know, people that they think that because I prayed a prayer once, I don't really have to live my life for the Lord. I don't, I don't have to do that. I can live in sin, but as long as I, as long as I say, I'm sorry before I die, or as long as I just keep asking for forgiveness, it's okay. So they abuse the grace of God. They abuse the mercy and the blood of Jesus. You know, I've done that before in my life. And that's why I had to correct myself and be like, Rebecca, you cannot abuse the blood of Christ. If you're in sin, you best turn from it. And you best, you best, you know, we're accountable for what we know. You know, God says, I always misquote this, but it says, there's a verse in the Bible that says, to him who 
does wrong and know he's doing wrong, it's sin. You know, so you're accountable for what you know. And if you know something's wrong, but you do it anyway, don't think that you're going to, God's going to just like, you know, skip over that. And, and I mean, God, you know, Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Repent and repentance means to change your mind, like to turn around, change your mind, change your life. You know, um, <laughs> I just, I went off on a tangent and on a soapbox about that. Um, so I don't even know. I'm going to have to try to bring this back full circle to what I was talking about before, um, which I, I kind of lost track of myself. I apologize about that. But but anyway, I mean, you know, it's, it's it, you know, people uh, think are living under false theology today. And they think that, oh, you know, I, I mean, that they, they really don't have to have any life change. But if you look in the Bible, it says that faith without works is dead. It's not that you earn salvation by works and what you do, you know. Jesus obeyed God because of the love that he had for the Father and the intimate relationship. And when you have an intimate relationship with God the Father, obedience flows from that. Your obedience flows from a place of love. It's not a place of, well, I have to obey God today. It's from a place of love, you know. Will we feel like obeying God all the time? No. I mean, I'm just being real. Sometimes we, there are things that we don't want to do, like in obedience, you know. Sometimes it's forgiveness, and you're like, God... I don't want to, you know, but we do that because we love him and because, you know, God says, if you don't forgive others, I won't forgive you, which is a big statement. So, um, and so, you know, you, you know, you have a lot of, a lot of false theology and, and, and things that, you know, where people have excluded an intimate relationship with God and they've made it into, into what they want it to be. Okay. Um, but, you know, our trust, the way that we are able to trust God, the more time that you spend with him, um, the more that you spend getting to know him, the more that you, you know, and again, I think one big problem that I had to learn that God had to teach me over quarantine, stop making it so hard. For those of y'all that are like, well, I just don't understand because I read my Bible and I don't hear anything and I don't, it's okay. It's okay. And don't think it has to be cookie cutter like everyone else. Do you need to be in the word? Yes, but it doesn't mean that you have to read 35 verses doesn't mean that you have to wake up and get your Bible out and read 35 verses. And, you know, I've, I've seen people take a guitar and go out and, and they meditate on one verse and they sing to the Lord. You know, some people love to listen to, to worship music and some people do like to read a state, pick a book out of the Bible to read. Quit trying to cookie cutter it like someone else. Just spend time with him. You know, go, maybe go in without an agenda and say, God, you know what? If you lead me toward a certain scripture, I'll go. But if not, I want to sit here and just be quiet and be still before you, be still and know you are God. You know, um, I think we try, I've done that most of my life, tried to overcomplicate a relationship with God and make it so hard. And God's like, I just want to spend time with you. I just want you to spend time with me. I, even if it's in silence, you know, even if it's in, in tears or, or, you know, or you just asking for questions or, you know, learning. I mean, it's like Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. It's just sitting at his feet and enjoying time with him, you know. And if you've never done that before, it can be hard at first. It can be awkward, especially if you don't, you know, enjoy a long time. It's not something that you enjoy. But I promise you, the more you do it, the more you'll love it. And I promise you, you will honestly get to the point where if you don't spend intimate time with the Lord, your whole spirit's off. It's off because you begin to realize that's the well. That is what fills me up so that I can pour out for others and pour out um, and, 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 uh, and usher the kingdom, God's kingdom you know, on earth. That, 
you know, that's the well every day. And then you're going to prioritize that. You're like, I can't miss this today. You know, I can't miss it. I've had to get used to a new schedule, you know, all last week and, and everything. And, and I told my fiance, like, I've got to prioritize that because I know I, I feel off. If I, if I don't, you know, spend time with the Lord, intimate time and, and make him my trust, I, I'm off. I'm just off. I don't, I don't like the way it feels. I don't like the way it is because I know with everything that's in me, that is what I'm created for. I'm created for intimacy with him. So trust in the Lord, you know, put your trust in the Lord. Don't push your trust in princes. If you find yourself putting your trust and spending your time and prioritizing with other things, with TV, with uh, your phone, with uh, your kids, with, with friends, with a spouse. Um, it can be with anything. With If you find that money is more what you put your trust in or, you know, nice things, clothes, you know, status, whatever it is, you know, I'm going to pray with you. We're going to pray and just ask God to break those things off our life and just overflow intimacy to our life. Um, set aside time every day to have intimate contact with God. I'm telling you, once you do it, don't make it too hard. Just It's literally like spending time with your best friend. Don't make it too hard. Just be with him. Once you start doing that, once you once you start, God says, if you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. Draw near to him. He will not disappoint you. He may not always say something, but he doesn't have to. Okay? You know, sometimes the greatest intimate moments are when two people are together and they don't say anything. They're just with each other. So um, I'm going to pray for you. I want to pray... Um, about, you know, I want to pray for healing if your trust has been broken. I want to pray for a right aligned and right ordered trust. And then um, we'll call it a day, okay? Lord, I thank you so much for every listener and every person, God, that is tuning in. I pray that this blesses them, that this touches them. I pray that they are just um, filled, God, with your spirit, filled with your knowledge, God, that they have learned more about you because that's what it's about. It's about you, Lord. I know myself, I have been in places where I have overcomplicated things and I have made things so hard. But a relationship with you is so simple and it's something that, that we cannot live without. Lord, I just pray for every single person listening today. God, I break every idol in their life in Jesus' name, by the blood of Jesus Christ. Everything, every person, every idea, whatever they're putting trust in, um, and building their foundation on that's on the sand, God. I break that in Jesus' name over their life. God, I pray that they would every day, God, set aside time and prioritize you. God, they would have conversation. They would have that quiet, that intimate, God, time with you. They wouldn't try to make it like anybody else's time, but, but God, that it would just be personal and intimate. I pray an overflow of intimacy that they would experience the well. They would experience that drink of water, that makes them never thirst again. It just makes everything fade, everything break off, off of their life because they realize I'm tasting something that I've always meant to, to taste and to drink from and that, that this is the one thing that I can't live without that brings fulfillment, God. Um, I just, I, I thank you, God, for every person listening. I pray blessings over their life. I pray for healing for anyone who's who has rooted um, themselves in other people and have been hurt deeply. You know, and even people that haven't rooted themselves in, in things but have had trust broken and just have had just unexpected breaks in relationships and, and things. God, you know, we live in a broken world and people give access to spirits and give access to, to sin and, and, um, and pain is real. Um, 
brokenness is real. Hurt is real. And Lord, I declare um, the healing power of your spirit, which is also very real. God, you are um, Yahweh Rapha, which means you are a healer. It's who you are. It's your character. I speak healing on every person that has had their trust broken, that they would realign their trust in you um, so that they can experience healing, experience a new season. And God, um, that you would just uh, bind them to yourself and that you would bind the wounds of the brokenhearted, that they may be able to forgive, that they may be able to move on. God, that you would repair what needs to be repaired and that people would let go of things that, um, that need to be let go of. I love you, Lord. And, um, and uh, we bring, give you glory today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, yeah, I'm, you hear the dogs barking. I'm recording in my car again. So. <laughs> so, all right, guys. I love you guys so much. And I hope that you guys have a wonderful day. And I will come back to you with another podcast soon. Again, please share this with your friends and um, with anybody that needs to be encouraged. And, yeah, I hope you guys have a great day.